Today, we answer the question that has dominated the entire offseason for the Mariners. How much has the gap between them and the Astros closed? Let's talk about it here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, March 15th, 2023. This is Tidying Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. The link as well as our social accounts is in the description below. On the show today, we finish our AOS preview series with a look at the team that not only took the division last year, but knocked the Mariners out of the playoffs on their way to a second championship in the past half decade. That's the Houston Astros. We're going to look at what they did this offseason, discuss our overall expectations for them this year. And as I said earlier, we'll give our thoughts on the gap between Seattle and Houston and talk about how much or little it has closed over the last few months. Before we start, though, Hi to the 90% of you that are Astros fans that have certainly clicked this video because you can't help yourselves. You just love hearing about your team. So hello, welcome back. We missed you over the last few months and thanks for helping out with the algorithm. So Colby, we need to start here. The Astros this offseason lost perennial Cy Young candidate, future surefire Hall of Famer Justin Verlander to the Mets and they did nothing to address his uh, absence in the rotation. Obviously, they have tons and tons and tons of homegrown talent within that rotation. We talked about this last week with Alex Fast, a pitcher list of just how remarkable that truly is, what their player development has been able to do over the last few years to build up some of these guys like Christian Javier and Framber Valdez. And now we'll see guys like Jose Urquidy rejoin the rotation and we'll see Someone like Hunter Brown, who's very exciting, enter this rotation, but they did not do anything in free agency outside of the organization to address Verlander's departure. On top of that, they did make a big splash in adding Jose Abreu, the first base slash DH from the Chicago White Sox, who's two years removed from an AL MVP. And they brought back Michael Brantley, re-signing him after he missed most of this past season with an injury. So what do you think about the Astros offseason as a whole? They didn't do a ton. They added some impact to an already dangerous offense, but they did get worse in the rotation. So what do you think, Colby? Yeah, I would say it's it's rather disappointing um, if you're an Astros fan. Uh, obviously, you're probably pretty excited about Jose Abreu. You got nothing from first base last year. Yuli Gurriel was awful all year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's great, but you definitely took a step back in the pitching department. And even if Hunter Brown is, you know, a three win pitcher this year, which is certainly possible, he's a talented guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Verlander won, won the Cy Young last year, he was a six seven win guy. Like, yep, that is a major departure. And the difference between Abreu and and Yuli is, I mean, it's not three wins, at least not in a, in a typical year. Maybe last year it would have been. Uh, now the other thing you have to wonder about Abreu is the guy's 35 years old. Like we're not talking about, you know, a 30 year old guy who's sitting for agency for the first time. He's an older player. The bats slow down. 
Um, so I, I don't think it should be just assumed that Jose Abreu can continue to hit. And even last year he was, he was good, but he wasn't MVP, uh, Jose Abreu. Not that he should have won at that time either, but whatever. Uh, so yeah, I would, I would say overall the Astros at best, they are as good as they were last year. And if you're not getting better, you're falling behind and everybody else in this division got better, uh, really without question. I don't think the Astros did, and I think that's a bit of a problem for Houston. So on top of losing the defending AL Cy Young winner, Justin Verlander, to the Mets, they also lost Christian Vasquez to the Twins. They added him at the trade deadline from the Red Sox, of course. Uh, They Mm -hmm. retained Rafael Montero, former Mariner, who obviously had a really nice postseason, a really nice year overall. Uh, Gave him a really, really big contract to keep him uh, within that bullpen. Uh, Like I mentioned, they also brought back Michael Brantley on a one-year deal. They lost Trey Mancini to the Cubs. Obviously, he didn't do much for for the Astros after coming over in a deal with the Orioles. Uh, They lost Aledmus Diaz to the A's. They lost Will Smith, uh, the reliever, to Texas. Uh, And then they lost uh, Yuli Gurriel, who just recently uh, moved to the Marlins and you know, of course, they they replaced him with Jose Abreu, as I mentioned. Uh, they also lost Nico Goodrum to the Red Sox. So a lot of guys exiting Houston, not a lot of guys being brought in. They're going to rely heavily on this player development system, which, again, has been one of the best in baseball and hasn't had any issues replenishing talent. Um, and, you know, this is still a, a really, really, really talented team, even with all that you subtracted from it. This is still a team that I think the Mariners are are chasing, are very clearly chasing. And we'll talk more about the gap and how much it's closed here in a bit. But this is still an incredibly talented roster. You just look at it up and down. The offense is still powerful with Jose Altuve and Kyle Tucker and Alex Bregman and Jordan Alvarez, who may very well be one of the top two to five best hitters in, in all of professional baseball. You add Jose Abreu to that. Jeremy Pena is coming off of an incredible postseason run, World Series MVP. Chaz McCormick was pretty damn good uh, last year, and, and uh, especially in the postseason, especially defensively. Uh, but then you get to those last two spots on their projected lineup here on roster resource with fan graphs, and uh, there's some question marks. Jake Myers, he's been hurt quite a bit over the last couple of years. He's projected currently to be their starting center fielder on opening day. And then Martin Maldonado, who obviously great defensive catcher, but uh, kind of a black hole offensively, unless he's playing against the Mariners. Of course, he's good for a couple of home runs against the M's. Um, then you look at this bench, though. The, the bench for me might be the weakest part. Actually, I think it's definitively the weakest part for the Astros here, at least as it's currently projected here by roster resource. And of course, things can change here. Uh, but Corey Lee, JJ Matijevic, uh, David Hensley, and Mauricio Dubon, that sucks. Just going to be real <laughs> about it. That's not good. That's not good for a contending team. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of upside there um, with guys like, like Hensley and Lee. I know that they're really excited about them. Um, you know, obviously Lee, former first round pick, but I don't know, man, the, that, that, that bench has some big question marks. You know, Drew Gilbert might end up being a, a factor here. He might factor into the center field plans if Jake Myers uh, doesn't 
click right away. Uh, Gilbert, of course, a draft pick of the Astros last year, center fielder out of Tennessee. Big bat, even bigger personality. It's kind of a really good fit for the Astros to play the heel. And uh, and then you get to this rotation right now. It's currently projected to be Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy, Hunter Brown, and then the bullpen. Ryan Presley is set to be their highest leverage guy with Rafael Montero behind him, Brian Abreu, Hector Neris, Ryan Stanek, Phil Matten, Matt Gage, uh, who they claimed off of waivers from the Toronto Blue Jays last month, and Seth Martinez. Uh, the, the big thing, though, Colby, is Lance McCullers is also hurt. Uh, again, he's not out for the year, but if you notice when I listed the guys in the rotation, he's not there either. So mm-hmm. not only do they lose Verlander for good, they're losing McCullers for the foreseeable future. We'll see how long it takes him to to get back out on the mound. Uh, but this rotation has taken a hit, and now that's placed a lot of pressure on guys like Hunter Brown to perform in his first year in the rotation. Jose Urquidy, who was... Um, exiled from the rotation uh towards the end of the season luis garcia who obviously had a really good postseason and um in relief and uh has had a pretty decent world baseball classic thus far but outside of valdez and javier there are some question marks in that rotation as well so so what do you think about the pitching staff for the astros uh still good but certainly not um as daunting as it was in the past, um, you know, obviously Framber is, is a very good pitcher and, and, you know, so is Garcia and uh, Javier there. There's certainly a lot of upside there, but none of those guys are Verlander, right? They're just a little bit different. Yeah. Verlander's in a different tier. So it's still a very good pitching staff. Um, I don't think it's the best in the American league West. And I think last year it probably was. So, uh, a lot has changed in that regard, and, and that's one of the areas where the Astros have taken a step back, where their peers in the ALS have closed the gap. And in my opinion, one of them has surpassed uh, Houston's rotation, but it's still mm-hmm. a very good rotation. There's still upside in it. Um, and we know that the Astros, you know, despite everything that they do wrong, typically, you know, you know, I think we all know, uh, they are very good at developing starting pitching. Yes. Um Yes. So, and they are defending champs. We'll find out how they, you know, cheated their way to it in a couple of years, I'm sure. Uh, don't worry, guys. Rob Manfred's not going to take it away. The World Series trophy is just a hunk of metal. It so, is just a hunk of metal. It, it yeah. doesn't really matter. Don't worry, guys. Nobody's trying to take away your championship. In fact, you're the one that keeps on trying to justify your 2017 championship instead of just saying, screw you, we want it. Mm-mm. No, no, no. It's it, The garbage cans didn't help that much because half our guys didn't even use them. Right? Yeah, that's right. I saved you that comment down below. It's fine. It's there, fine. You're welcome. There, there you go. We might save you a couple more comments here coming up. Uh, your your daddy, all that stuff. Yeah, just go ahead, get it out of your system. We'll we'll uh, we'll appreciate the uh, the help that it gives us uh, with the algorithm and all that. Appreciate it. Thanks for looking out. Um, all right. So yeah, let's talk about expectations for this team in 2023. Uh, and the the gap between the Mariners and the Astros. Uh, 
here in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. So we know that Astros fans might be the most insecure bunch in all of baseball. I think Mariners fans learned that firsthand, especially if you're on Twitter.com with uh, Astros fans making lists of Mariners fans to track what they're saying to essentially (laughs) bomb their uh mentions uh really weird stuff for those that aren't on twitter or don't really know how lists work lists are basically you can compile a bunch of users or a bunch of accounts in there and just see all of their tweets without actually following them and uh the astros put together a couple of or astros fans rather put together a couple of those lists really weird behavior we had a ton of comments from astros fans during the uh, the alds and even well after when they were in the middle of a world series appearance all they could really think about were the mariners and us and you know what i, I appreciate free, it I, yeah. yeah yeah i i appreciate it you know it, it warms my heart that someone out there is thinking about me so so thank you with the with the how with the cost of housing continuing to rise it's nice to know i always have a place to stay rent free if i need it that's true that's true so with that said because astros fans are so insecure let's say something nice about their team and that's hey you guys are still really good <laughs> and you guys are probably mm-hmm. slightly better than the mariners still we'll, we'll, we'll give you that all right all right mm-hmm. all right mm, okay Ooh, we got we got a little little hot take mm-hmm. coming got a little hot here come on come on say your piece say it (laughs) say it say it now say it now (laughs) uh let's see the mariners will win 98 games the astros will win 69 (laughs) nice uh yeah (laughs) i mean who's the real winner there the mariners Mariners. um (laughs) the mariners winning over Uh, memes yes i mean if you're the mariners you can do both yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. You're a lot better at it than the Astros are. Yeah, that's true. The memes, not the winning. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. am very, very, very excited to see what Mariners uh social media has planned for if for the day if uh they they do surpass the Astros. If say, you know, the tables turn and they uh r- roles reverse and they they are the ones to eliminate the Astros this October. I'm very excited to for what they have planned because you know, right now. They're they're taking the high road, right? The the Astros mm-hmm. tweeted something about Julio striking out to Luis Garcia in the WBC, and then Eugenio Suarez pro, uh, proceeded to uh, hit a RBI single, RBI double, something like that, off of Luis or off of Brian Abreu, rather, uh, mm-hmm. a few innings later, and they tweeted nothing about it, and the Mariners tweeted it, and they didn't say anything in reference to the Astros. Whereas, yeah, um, yeah. the Mariners are very good at social media. Yes. So rest assured, they've saved the receipts. Mm. Um, so we'll see if they ever get to use them. But uh, yeah, the Mariners are are good at that. Uh, so 
they don't use the uh, the same old joke over and over and over again. Mm. Either. I mean, you uh, love to see it, Colby. You do get it, get it, sea, yeah. see, <laughs> like see <laughs> us rise. Whoa, so wow. epic! It's so epic. You guys call the cowboys the cowgirls, don't you? <laughs> the Vikings, the fight like, queens. Yeah. yeah, you're you're the that forty, kind of fan, the forty whiners, the sea yeah. chickens. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're yeah, you're those kind of losers, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we know the answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are. Yeah. yeah. Same person, same personality, same, Astros same. fans and, 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 you know, those fans, let's mm, call them. So sure, sure, same personality. Sure. sure. Yeah. So what I were we supposed guys, to talk I, about this segment? I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I've, I've enjoyed the bashing ever since last night doing that with the angels, even though that didn't get a ton of viewers. Guys, help us out here. Watch, watch, watch the ALS previews. Mm. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if the algorithm algorithm just doesn't like the fact that we're using the word preview or or what. But uh, these these episodes haven't done super well. Please watch. Please listen to us bash these teams. We're having a great time doing it. We're having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You would have a lot yeah. of fun too if you watch them. All right. So uh, yeah, no, we're talking about expectations for this Astros team. Um, yeah, where where they stand in the the hierarchy of both the ALS and just the American League and Major League Baseball as a whole. Just as a reminder, they won 106 games this past year. We've talked about their their roster, where it stands now, what they've lost this offseason. How much do you think that that does take a hit into their 2023 ceiling? I'd be pretty surprised if they won 106 games again. Um, I wouldn't be all that surprised if they won, you know, 98 to 100. So yeah, I, I still think they're a, a very good team. I think they're, uh, I mean, I, I think you make an argument. They have the best roster in the American league. Uh, and you know, at just about every, uh, every, you know, betting site out there, including Fandle, uh, has them as the favorite in the American league. Uh, so, and I, I think that's well earned. So yeah, the Astros, well, I think hmm. they're, they are worse than they were last year. Uh, I still think that they are right now considered the favorite in the American League, uh, and I think they probably should be. They're the defending champs. They are still a very good mm-hmm. roster. Um, they still have upside uh, that they can dig out uh, of some of the guys on their on their roster. So, yeah, I, I think they probably should be the favorites. Uh, I ju- I'll just say this. I wouldn't bet money on them winning uh, the, the American League this year. Well, and to me, you know, again, I, I do believe in this player development system that they have in place, but this does feel like right now, as things currently stand, that they're an injury or two away, and they've been remarkably healthy for the most part in years past, especially with their lineup, you know, save for a couple of guys like Michael Brantley. But overall, they haven't dealt with too many serious you know, long drawn out injuries here over the last few years. And I feel like there are a couple of injuries away from, I just, I don't think that they don't, that they don't have the depth right now. I don't, I don't think they have it right now. Um, that can change, you know, guys can obviously, you know, raise their, their ceilings, their floors, et cetera, in the, in the minors and, you know, off of that bench. And, you know, they do have some nice pieces that they can trade uh, to, to go out and get better. Uh, but they haven't done that yet. They didn't do that this offseason. And clearly, they did not want to be really in this position heading into opening day because they did go out and try to get guys like Wilson Contreras and Dalton Varsho. Like, they had a, a bigger plan for what they were hoping this roster would look like, and that just didn't pan out. And now they're essentially just working with what they have. 
And so I, I do feel like that lack of depth could come into play here. Um, mm -hmm. Especially, you know, look, the, the, the rotation, again, is, is at the top of it with Valdez and Javier is great, but I do have concerns about three through five. Yeah. I, I I think Connor Brown's a really exciting prospect. I think he's really interesting, and we got to see what he can do, you know, out of a bullpen role um, during the postseason against the Mariners. But starting is a different animal, and there's a lot of Astros fans that I've seen that think that he's going to be able to step in and be a four-win pitcher right away. And look, you know, I had a lot of doubts about Jeremy Pena. And he didn't have a, a particularly amazing, you know, regular season. Obviously, had a fantastic postseason. Didn't have a, a, an amazing regular season. But I was, I would say that I was still wrong about Jeremy Pena. That he was a lot better than than I thought he would end up being, and that he replaced Carlos Correa's absence in a better way than I thought he would. Uh, that the Correa departure didn't have as much of an impact on the Astros as I thought it would because of Pena. But you're talking about going from Verlander, the defending Cy Young winner, to Valdez, who's a really good pitcher, but that's still a, a pretty big gap between Verlander and Valdez. Javier is great. I'm not debating that. But then you go into Garcia, Urquidy, Brown, until McCullers gets back, and who knows what McCullers is going to look like post-injury. He keeps on getting hurt. Eventually, that is going to have some wear on his body. Yep. I, I just, that's a major question mark for me. And if those guys, if two of those guys don't pan out, what's their plan? Right. Are they going to be able to go out and get that starter that helps solidify their rotation? That helps, you know, address any potential regression from a, a Lance McCullers when he does return from injury. That does address maybe uh, some regression from Framber Valdez. Because, I mean, Valdez, with all the quality starts that he had last year, I mean, that's ridiculous. Who knows if he's going to be, be able to repeat that. That's kind of, I mean, uh, it almost feels unfair to put those expectations back on Valdez going into the season, despite how good he is, to be able to repeat that. Because that was just a ridiculous stretch that he went on. So, yeah, the, the, the rotation, and even though that this player development system is fantastic, the pitching development system is fantastic, and the talent is immense here, and this, uh, the upside is immense here with guys like Brown, I just I don't know if all these guys are going to be able to reach their 100th percentile like Astros fans are hoping for to make up for the absence of Verlander, make up for the, let's say, half season of absence from McCullers. So that's really where I stand on things. I still think this is a 96-98 win team, though. Like, I, I don't think they're going to win 100 games this year. I don't think that they have the depth to sustain any sort of periods where Alex Bregman or Jose Altuve or Jordan Alvarez has to land on the IL for a couple of weeks. I don't think that they have that kind of depth to, with, to withstand any sort of extended periods of time without some of their key players. Mm -hmm. You know, right now, Jordan... Uh, at last check hasn't gotten into spring training games yet. He still has a hand issue he's dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, now, I'm not suggesting that that will cause him to miss significant time this year, but uh, it is setting him back, and and it might take a little while for him to get you know 
I say rolling, I mean, he'll probably still one-handed could put up a 130 WRC plus, but right. you know, you're relying on 160, 170 out of him and he gives you 130 for three months. Mm-hmm. Other guys do have to pick up the slack. So we'll see what happens with all, with all that. Um, but yeah, I still think they're a very good team. Um, and yeah, they probably should, like I said, they probably should be the favorites to win the American league West to win the American mm-hmm. league and ser- should certainly be one of the favorites to, you know, win the world series. Uh, but I do think that they are taking a step back this year. Uh, just I, I can't imagine that Brown and Abreu can provide more than what they got from Verlander last year. It's just really hard to envision that. Uh, but it, like I said, it's certainly possible because the Astros um, are very good at uh, player development. So yeah. and cheating and cheating. That well, too. are they? They got caught. Well, yeah, yeah, they're actually they're kind of like forty-five grade cheaters. Yes, like, got away with it. Away with it. Got, uh, yeah, like they got away with it for like you know enough of time to win the World Series, you know. But uh, they they did eventually get caught. Still yeah. got to keep the World Series and all that stuff, and we're fined what five million dollars, which is the the most. Which that's funny. That's got cute. a slap on the wrist. Yeah. 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 Here's, here's, five and you bucks. guys are somehow still the victim. Oh, everybody's picking on us. <laughs> Even though we got to keep our World Series title, nothing happened to us whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, you lost we a couple booed. of draft picks. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you lost a couple of draft picks and got booed. Oh, did they? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, all right, but you know, quickly, just going back to the whole depth conversation and the the you know, we can injury concern with any team. We can do yep. that, especially with the Mariners. The Mariners have mm-hmm. some depth concerns, obviously. Like I, I totally understand that. It's just you know, in years past for the Astros, they have an injury occur, whatever. They have Chas McCormick to fall back on. They had you know, Aled Mestias to fall back on. They had a couple of guys that they could fall back on and rely on here and now it just it doesn't feel like they have that right now when i look at their bench um and the bullpen it's interesting man the the bullpen is a is an interesting spot for the astros alex fast last week said that he he would give the advantage in the bullpen to the mariners uh, and the advantage of the rotations of the mariners i agree um the bullpen still has some, some guys with, with Presley and Montero, but also mm-hmm. you're relying on Montero to you know, pick up where he left off from a career year. And I mean, we've seen Rafael Montero like firsthand and obviously he's a bit of a right. different guy since leave, leaving Seattle. I'm not discrediting that. And I'm not sure exactly what has go- all gone into that. So I don't know the full context of that. So maybe this is permanent, but relievers are fickle. We say that all the time. And so, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a hard, it, it's a typical, it's, it's a difficult uh, bullpen to, to project. And uh, Fangraph's projections aren't super high on the bullpen. You know, they all kind of think that these are mid three ERA guys, which is fine. Like that's still a top 12-ish bullpen in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this bullpen has been consistently like top five for the last few years. And that's been a big part. That's been a really underrated part of their success yeah. here. And so if there is regression there, obviously there's been a talent regression, the rotation, how much is that going to impact their overall ceiling for 2023? I think that's going to impact them a bit. And then on the offensive side of things, I just don't think that they have the depth needed 
to you know win consistently over the course of a full season. So they're going to need to add from the outside, or they're going to need a couple of these guys within their system to raise their ceilings, raise their floors. Um, so let's talk about the gap between these two teams, the Mariners and the Astros. Obviously, I think at season end, um, to me, uh, it was pretty clear that the Astros and the Mariners were the two best teams in, in the American League. Um, and yep. frankly, especially now with all the injuries the Yankees have sustained uh, in their rotation with Rodon and, and Montes uh, hurt, I think the Mariners are the second best team in the American League. Uh, and I have really no hesitancy in saying that. I get it. The Blue Jays. I know everyone's really excited about the Blue Jays. I still have concerns about the Blue Jays, and really most of that has to deal with your bullpen. Again, bullpens are fickle. We never know. We have, you know, the Blue Jays could uh, run out the same eight guys that they did last year, which they're not, but they're they could run the same eight guys out as last year, and they could be the best bullpen in baseball, right? Mm-hmm. 2014 Mariners bullpen, we say it time and time again, is a perfect example of why we just never know when it comes to bullpen setting into the season. Um, right. But I still have concerns about the Blue Jays. And I, I do have concerns about their offense, too, um, after getting rid of you know guys like, uh, like Teoscar Hernandez. Um, but that said, it doesn't really matter where you rank the, the Mariners in the overall hierarchy in, in the AL right now because teams are going to change over the course of the next six or so months. What really matters here is, are they going to be able to compete with the Astros right out of the gate? Cause that is going to matter. Cause like you don't, this team finished what 16 games behind the Astros yeah. at season's end. Mm-hmm. And like, you're going to have to keep pace with them over the course of the year. So just looking at opening day where things stand at opening day, how much have the Mariners closed the gap between them and the Astros, and do you think they're in a position right now to keep pace and to eventually build upon what they already have built and hopefully surpass the Astros by season's end? Yeah. Um, So I I think one thing that's important to note here is that you don't have to make up 16 games, right? Like you're not starting the season 16 games behind the Astros. You're starting 0-0. You're flat, um, you know, uh, all the good luck and bad luck you have doesn't matter. Like last year really doesn't mean anything. So you're just looking at the rosters, right? You're trying to get a feel for if this team performs like I think they can reasonably. And if this team performs like I reasonably think they can, how close are they? And to me, I think they're pretty close. Uh, I would also give the rotation edge to Seattle. Um, and we probably don't even have the fifth best guy in it right now. Um, so I would give the rotation edge to Seattle again injuries blah 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 but just based on how we think things are going to look on opening day uh bullpen i would give to seattle it's close but i'd give it to seattle offense i think is a little bit more of a gap still between seattle and houston i think houston's lineup just has a few more uh stars in it frankly uh julio's great and we think Teo can be that type of guy but even if julio is your your don right and tay oscar is your kyle tucker Mm-hmm. who's the Jose Altuve, who's the Alex Bregman, you know, you right. can, you can, you can get close and, and the Mariners do have an edge in some places like catcher. Um, but I do think overall that the Astros lineup is just better than Seattle's. Agreed. Um, and I think Houston's probably a little better defensively too. Uh, so we'll see. Jared Kelnick is the big X factor here because if Kelnick is, you know, again, a three win player or whatever, then all of a sudden you do have an answer for, 
you know, the, let, me, the, let me just say something on that note. I think that if Kelnick, and this is assuming that everyone stays healthy and everyone performs at a level that we're expecting, right? Mm-hmm. So just let me preface with that. But if Jared Kelnick actually is a three-win player, if he's like a fringe all-star this year, gap's closed. It's a, the conversation over at that point. Gap's closed. Mariners are right there in line with with the Astros, and they should have no issues surpassing the Astros with whatever right. else I'm, they could do to add on. I mean, the Mariners' outfield is already better yeah. than Houston's because Houston's is Kyle Tucker and a couple of platoon guys. Chaz McCormick, Jake Myers, yeah. Right, and Michael Brantley when he plays out there. Jordan Alvarez when he plays out there. But those guys are going to DH through. But anyway, you want to slice it. Seattle's outfield is better. You add another, and really, Kelnick is the big the big question mark in this lineup, right? I mean, Crawford, he was really bad for most of last year, but you still feel decent that he's going to be a league average bat right around there. We don't know what left field's going to look like, and if Kelnick is an above average bat, then that gap is pretty much closed because, again, we already think Seattle has the better pitching, and... The other thing we need to think about is when we get into July, who's in a better position to add missing pieces if these two teams are in kind of a horse race to yeah. to win the American League West? It's Seattle, and it's not close. It's Seattle. And, and the thing, too, with Seattle, right, is that because of, you know, here's another benefit of having three essentially first-round picks in, in the upcoming draft, is that you can get a little more aggressive with the guys that you deal out of your farm system because you're going to be able to replenish your farm system in a major way uh this mm-hmm. this this summer in a in a very unique and, and rare way so uh the mariners also have that to their advantage over the astros who again they're kind of they're having to play catch up in terms of building their system because they did lose the first round draft picks from the the whole cheating scandal so and honestly they haven't had good drafts the last few years either even before that like they they hit it big on the Correas and the tuckers and the springers and Bregman, when they were picking up near the top of the draft, they started picking down below and their hit rate went down pretty significantly. Mm-hmm. So they've still got a few guys out of the draft, Pena uh, mm-hmm. being you know the, the big one right now. But there are some serious questions about whether or not Houston is a good drafting team. We know they're a good development team. Right. Do they pick the right guys? So far, yes. But you kind of look at it. They haven't gotten a lot from these last three or four drafts, and, and eventually that, that bill does come due. Um, unless you're just going to spin your way out of it, uh, which Houston doesn't appear that Houston's ever going to be a team that you know is willing to go above the luxury tax and, and really push their payroll beyond the 200 some odd million um, on a multi-year basis. So we'll see. Uh, right now, I would say Houston is overall better than Seattle uh, slightly, mm-hmm. uh, but the gap is closed, and I think by the end of the year, uh, it, it could be. Uh, we could be talking about how big the gap is between Seattle at the top and Houston uh, below them, depending on you know how does Kelnick pro- how does Kelnick progress, how does Bryce Miller look, did they go and acquire Ian Happ or whatever, what did Houston do at the deadline, blah blah right, blah. Right. So I think they're close enough right now that we could be looking at at the end of the year and saying, you know, these are the two best teams in the American League, and and Seattle's actually a little bit ahead of Houston. But right now, I would have it the other way around. And the biggest part of this debate, this whole offseason, particularly within the Mariners fan base, is, you know, the quality of the offseason that the Mariners had. Did they do enough? Did they have a good offseason? I think they did. Did they have the best offseason that they possibly could have had? No. No. And, and I'm not going to debate that. 
I, I think that's a fact. I think that they could have had a better offseason than they did, but I think that they still had a really good offseason and addressed a couple of massive, massive needs for them, which was more dependent, uh, more dependability and upside in right field and s- addressing the black hole that was second base last year because that that is what it is. I don't get this whole thing that Colton Wong is essentially a lateral move from Adam Frazier. Just look at the numbers the last couple of years. Those guys are completely different players. Colton Wong is in another universe compared to Adam Frazier. Now is Colton Wong, Trey Turner and, you know, Xander Bogarts and all these guys that, that Mariners fans wanted this off season. No, he's not, but he's still a really good player who, you know, a couple of years ago made a swing change. Uh, that looks to be sustainable, and he's had a lot of offensive success. Now the defense is a, is a question because that's regressed over the last couple of years, at least as as far as the metrics go. But Perry Hill, I, I think, you know, just Wong being in a new situation is going to be a bit better defensively. I, I don't think we're going to see the gold glover that he was in St. Louis, but I think we're going to see a more, you know, competent second baseman out of Colton Wong. I don't think there's going to be much issue there with him defensively and I think the bat's going to play uh, a lot better than than Frazier did and then Teoscar at his 100th percentile is a fringe borderline MVP candidate and even at his 80th percentile 85th percentile he's still one of the best hitters in the American League so that's a huge and you know yeah he was hurt this past year for a little bit of time earlier on in the season but for the most part he's been significantly healthier than Mitch Hanniger so those two th- those two moves that the Mariners made Massive upgrades cannot be understated. Those are not; those are the furthest thing from a lateral move. I like. I just. I don't get that. So yeah, the Mariners got better. Could they have added another bat? Do they need another bat? Yeah, absolutely. We've said that. We haven't shied away from saying that. The other thing that we need to keep in mind here, though, in terms of closing the gap, full season of George Kirby, full season of Luis Castillo, full season of Cal Raleigh being good. These things matter. Full season of Matt Brash out of the bullpen. Full season of Andres Munoz being elite, right? Because Andres got off to a slow start as well. It wasn't really until about, what, June, I think, that he started to really, really hit it. Like, these things matter. Ty France, if he can stay healthy for a full season and maybe not hit the way that he hit in the first half of the year last year, but do something slightly above that or slightly below that and sustain it through, you know, a full six months. That's huge too. So all of these things matter. All these things do contribute to closing the gap. It's not just about what the Mariners did during the off season. It's a very, it's quite frankly, a very small piece to it when you consider all of these other things, because it's really, again, it goes, it, it, what it breaks down to is can you just keep pace with the Astros until right. you get to July when everyone, when the Astros are going to, you know, add to their roster, when you're going to add to your roster, when the rest of the American league is going to add to their rosters, can you keep pace? And if you can keep pace, I have no doubt in my mind that the Mariners can get better than the Astros by the end of July. And that they'll be a right. better team than the Astros and could very well be the best team in the American League by the time that we roll into October. Yep. So right now, has the gap fully closed? No, I don't think so. But I think it's very close. And I think that a couple of things swing in one direction or the other 
and you're right there. So I'm very excited about what this Mariners team can do this year. I'm not as um, scared is too strong of a word. Uh, I think just wary of the Astros. I'm not as wary of them. I think that the Mariners can compete with them. I think they can go toe-to-toe with them. And, I mean, we saw that even in a postseason series. Yeah, they didn't win any of those games, but they played them incredibly close and gave them the toughest time in the postseason, really, than any other team that they faced. Yeah, the Phillies got a couple of games off of them, but I thought the Mariners played the best series overall against the Astros. And a couple things go, you know, in another direction in those games. And maybe it's a whole different story for how the entire postseason went. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not really concerned with the Mariners being able to compete against the Astros when they face them head on and, and really being able to keep pace here. Because I think they've I think they've done enough. Could they do more? Yes. But I think they've done enough. Anyway, do you have any closing thoughts before we hop off of here? No, you successfully ran out the clock. (laughs) Yeah. I have a lot to say. I have a lot Mm. to say about this because we, you know, I've been reading this stuff for, all right. I've been reading this stuff for the last, you know, few months over the winter and it just, it it boggles, it boggles my mind. It boggles my mind, especially the, the, the stuff with Tay Oscar and Colton Wong, but I digress. Um, So that's, that's been our AOS preview series. If you haven't checked out the Rangers, A's and Angels episodes, do so they're on our youtube channel right now or if you're listening on podcast platforms um check them out it's on spotify it's on all the podcast platforms just go to our page and you'll find them over there uh but that's going to do it for our show thank you so much for tuning in to the locked on mariners podcast for colby patnode i'm tiding gonzalez be sure to give us a follow on twitter at lo underscore mariners you can follow me at dane gonzalez at c-a-n-e-g-n-z-l-z and colby at cpat11 that's cpat11 Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Locked On Mariners. That's one word, Locked On Mariners. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now, for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like us, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And with that, have yourself a beautiful baseball day. And we'll see you tomorrow. Peace.